here's this gift basket. It's the you don't have powers gift basket. It's it's the best one because you don't have powers. Yeah. And then the the kid's like, oh, if I didn't have powers, I'd be super depressed. <laughs> Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Other Brothers Podcast, the show where two best friends give their thoughts and opinions on any and all consumable content out there in the world. I'm Colin. And I'm John, and we are your hosts. What are we talking about today, John? Today, we're going to be doing a movie review on Disney's 60th animated feature film, Encanto. Encanto! Yeah, it's been a few weeks since we've done a movie review, but we thought it would be fun to do one on Encanto now that it's been out for a little while and it's on Disney Plus and people hopefully have seen it. So, yeah. Yeah. As always, we're going to start this episode with a nice brief one-sentence non-spoiler summary of the movie. Colin, what kind of sentence do you have for me about Encanto? Ohana means family, and family means keeping secrets and not talking about what's wrong. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's that's not that's not really spoilery. That's no, that's good. You know, I love yeah. your Lilo but and it, Stitch reference in there because you know Disney always throws Easter eggs in. Why shouldn't you? Yeah, that's just awesome. A little bit. Uh, what about you, John? What's what's yours? Mine's gonna be short and sweet. It's literally just gonna be family problems. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> that's all <laughs> i feel like some like 90s jingle from like uh you know, sitcom is gonna start playing <laughs> yeah no that's family matters that's different um, oh okay <laughs> but yeah family problems that's what i got as always if you have not seen encanto you may want to wait to listen to this episode there will be spoilers we will be talking about things that happen in the movie and our thoughts on those things so either enjoy that for what it is or go watch the movie first come back and listen after so uh, to start this film off we have the setting in columbia and my god it looks amazing this is a beautiful movie just in general. I, I think it, it's it's incredible to look at where disney has come in terms of the technology in their animation abilities so like at the beginning of like the computer generated animated films you have not necessarily simple-looking movies, because they were definitely complex, but yeah. the level of detail that they managed to achieve in this movie is, oh, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, no, it's awesome. I think it's great. And just the color in this movie, just as a whole. It's such a colorful, yeah. beautiful oh, for movie. Sure. I love it. It's awesome. It's so bright. It's It just captures, like, it just it draws your eye right to it. It's really cool. Yeah, and, and the second thing that you notice about the movie is the music. Lin-Manuel Miranda is back. He's doing the score, and he actually helped write a little bit of the story, too. Yeah, I think it's so cool. I love Lin-Manuel Miranda just in general. I love a lot of his different works, and this is one of them. I Since we're on him as a topic, I think the music in this movie is real fun. Oh, for sure, and it's littered with Hamilton references, too. What would your top three songs be in in this film? Oh, my top three songs. Let me, let's see. I really liked We Don't Talk About Bruno, which is, like, everybody's right, right. favorite song from this movie, so I think that's Oh, fair. of course. I also really liked Surface Pressure, which okay. is the one that Louisa sings, and I... Third one, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I liked all the music in it. I really liked the... I like the first song, the opening song, The Family Madrigal, because yeah. what a way to introduce every character in this movie. Uh, in this speaking song. of every character, there's like 15 different like main characters that you have to pay attention to throughout I know. this whole film. 
But I think it's this song lot. does a really good job of introducing all of them because it shows you who they all are. It puts a face to their names. It also tells you about like what their gift is in the family. And then in the second half of the song, she repeats it a second time because she's trying to like fill time and get away from these kids that are asking her about what her gift is because she doesn't <laughs> yeah. have one. So instead she's just repeating everything she already said. So it kind of gives you a second chance to hear it if you missed it the first time. So I think that it's a really cool way to introduce the exposition of this movie through the oh, use of sure. that song. It's awesome. So that's probably up there too. Okay. Surface pressure and we don't talk about Bruno are, are definitely on my list. Um, mm. Waiting on a Miracle is this movie's like Disney song and I wish more people talked about it because it's really good. It's really pretty. It's so sad but it's so pretty. Yeah, oh, for sure it's sad. Where is it? What what's her what's her the I can't remember any of their names now. Give me one second. Isabella. What is Isabella's song? That one is What Else Can I Do? That one is a ton of fun too. I think that's really cool. I love that song just because that's like the happy moment amidst all this like rough stuff that's going on before things get worse yeah but but i just really like in that song the growth of her character how her character changes and how we see mirabelle's relationship with her kind of change which is really cool so that's also up there i don't know i just like i said i like all the music in this movie so it's really (laughs) cool to me so one thing I, I I know we're talking about music a lot, but like the music is very important to how this movie is told. This movie doesn't. I, I wonder how you feel about this. This movie doesn't necessarily feel like a movie soundtrack. It feels like a Broadway soundtrack almost. And I know that's mainly because Lin Manuel Miranda is involved. But I mean, like the storytelling through music feels a lot more like something you would see in a musical rather than something that you would see in, like, Moana or Frozen. Yeah, so the way I look at the soundtrack for this movie is, well, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. There are some, like, Broadway musicals where you can listen to a song from it as a standalone song. Like, take Dear Evan Hansen. Waving through a window you can listen to anytime, place, and it doesn't affect anything. You don't need the story of Dear Evan Hansen to enjoy that song. But, like, in a, diff- in a different show, like... Hades Town, for example, which is one of your favorite musicals, that which one. is why I picked it. Those songs are very <laughs> story driven. If you pick a random yeah. song in the middle of that musical and you try and listen to it without knowing what Hades Town is about, you'll be very confused. This movie, the music in this movie is very Hades Town esque in the storytelling of it, and I agree with you on that. Which I think is interesting because a lot of Disney movies are more like you can listen to these songs any place, anytime, and it doesn't change anything. Like, you can listen to Let It Go whenever you want. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be in the context of Frozen. Yeah, I, I um, think the only songs that you can really pull out of this one are maybe Surface Pressure and We Don't Talk About Bruno. But even then, that's still very story-oriented. Uh, surface Pressure, I think, is one of the few ones you could get away with. Because that one is more about, like, just mental pressure and mental anxiety. Whereas We Don't Talk About Bruno is very much about the character Bruno and the story of the different things he's done in the context of this movie. So that one, even, I'm like listening to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. That After watching it, I'm like, okay, this song makes sense. But if I hadn't watched it, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much because I wouldn't get the context. Surface pressure, I think I could enjoy pretty much any time. 
That's fair. During We Don't Talk About Bruno, did you notice that when Dolores is singing that he's actually in the background? No, I didn't. I um, actually didn't know that. I didn't Yeah, that if you look up along the top the uh, banister railing thing, you can see him sneaking along. And then she gives the little uh, sand uh, rhythm thing that just sounds really cool. Oh, that's why him, like, she mentioned the, the sand background. thing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I did, yeah, because yeah, she can him. hear him. So mm-hmm. so she associates the sound of sand to him because, you know, she's constantly hearing him throwing sand and sugar over his uh, shoulders. Yeah, no, I love when Disney does things like that, though. I think it's so cool when they just throw little, like, things that you might notice. And if you do, that's, like, extra bonus. But if you don't, it doesn't affect anything negatively like i didn't pick up on that but i still really enjoy that entire scene and the dolores part of that song oh yeah no it definitely is uh stuff to look out for on a rewatch yeah you know really fleshes out the movie for sure uh speaking of the movie let's talk about it let's get into it so the film starts out pretty dark typical disney fashion you know we have a family member die off this time it's the grandfather you know that's a that's a new one for disney not the parents but you know significant (laughs) other of the grandmother yeah a parent figure and then uh, we get into the house and this the the casita is so cool Uh, it's awesome one of the 15 characters we you know you have to follow throughout the movie and like man i wish my house did that that's awesome yeah but it has its own personality, and it does mm-hmm. have its own character, even. And then we start to meet the different family members, who all have different gifts, superpowers. Mm-hmm. I feel like this movie can truly exist because of things like the MCU and DCU. And, like, <laughs> because superpowers are such kind of, like, just a common, like, oh, this is a superhero movie, rather than, oh, this is a comic book movie and a Disney film? Oh, you never. But mm-hmm. with how prevalent that all is, it's like, oh, okay, yep. Yeah, I mean, and Disney's got tons of movies where people have powers. Like even Moana, Moana's got like, well, yeah, the water on her side. Elsa's got ice powers. So like, it's nothing new to have like these gifts or these powers. But having so many people have gifts and powers like that, yeah, <laughs> and they're all different. One thing I was like curious about, and I wanted to kind of do a little research on, is like, why did they choose the gifts that they chose? Like being able to hear really well, or like. Being able to heal, but with food that you make versus just like touching someone and healing them. Truth be told, no idea. Yeah, I don't know, but I think it's really uh, cool. I think the oh, variety no, is really neat. And then you have Mirabelle on her fifth birthday when it's time for her to get her gift. I doesn't get one. Her door just vanishes. Yeah. And later on in the movie, we you know uh, it's kind of explained that she doesn't get a gift that way. Abuela, the grandmother kind of realizes that she's been putting too much pressure on the whole family not as a villain though there's no real villain in this movie it's kind of yeah the idea of miscommunication and putting too much pressure on everybody else it's there's no villain person but there's kind of like villain not not even villain i guess there's no villain it's just no i wouldn't call it villain i would just say there's family misguided intentions it's like misguided intention perfectionism at its finest yeah, that's kind fair. of in a sense. One thing that kind of uh, gets to me about this movie, though, is that Mirabelle never gets a power. I was kind of hoping that, like, at the end, maybe something would be kind of awakened to it. Uh, though I have seen the theory that her power does exist and that her power is the ability to make people talk about what they're thinking. Maybe. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's definitely a theory that would make sense. I don't think it bothers me that she didn't get a power, though. 
I was thinking oh, about that. Oh, it's not that, like, like a super negative. It's just kind of like, a, oh, that's an interesting creative decision. I was thinking about that, like, the whole movie. I was like, I wonder if she's going to get one at the end. And she didn't. But she also doesn't need to. And they kind of make that point in the end of the movie. Like, the whole point is, you are not your gift. You are you. And that's the miracle. That's the whole yeah. point. So I think her not getting it makes that message a little bit more powerful. So oh, like, for sure. You be you. Don't try and be perfect. Don't ha- don't, you don't need to be like special to be great. And I think that that message is kind of what they were going for, which I kind of like. So Mirabelle, the main character in this movie, is voiced by the actress Stephanie Beatriz, which is so cool to me. So one of my favorite TV shows is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And Stephanie Beatriz is a character in Brooklyn Nine-Nine named Detective Rosa Diaz. And Rosa Diaz is this very <laughs> hardened, like, dark, mysterious... Such a completely different personality character altogether. It's crazy. Also, I looked it up. Stephanie Beatriz is 40 years old. Yeah. And she played a teenage girl. And I oh, never would have guessed... Too. Yeah. I never would have guessed that it was her until I looked it up and saw who it was. Like, I was blown away. Yep. So kudos to her for that. Very good job. That was awesome. Uh, I want to talk about Maribel's clothes real quick, just because I was looking into the making of this film and kind of inspirations that they took and whatnot. Okay. Maribel is the first female protagonist in a Disney film to have glasses. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yep. That's and then cool. the clothes the clothes that everybody wear in the movie, their all their outfits have to do with their powers. Since Maribel doesn't have one, her outfit is patchwork of other people's costumes and powers. Oh, cool. So for instance, like on her dress, there's a candle for the abuela. Uh the uh, her aunt has, is represented by like a rainbow and a rain cloud. There are flowers for Isabella. And then even, like, an arm holding a weight for uh, Louisa. <laughs> and then Funny. for her cousins, there's animals and even a chameleon for Camilio. Antonio's for the animals. I'm sure that yeah. doesn't necessarily need to be said. And then there's also a note to her family saying, I love my family. It's so just cool. written, like, on her clothes. Like it's, That's awesome. It's neat being able to look at the details of the movie itself and kind of get the story from it without necessarily needing to even watch the movie yeah. without having anything spoiled without having, you know, the story ruined for you. Sure. You can really start to see the details of the deeper meaning behind what's going on. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though, I was a little thrown off at the beginning of this movie after at the end of the song, the family Madrigal, the people are just so like nonchalantly rude to Mirabelle oh, about the fact yeah. that she doesn't have powers. <laughs> I was like, what? Why would they? What? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of like they don't know how to go about treating her. I know. They're like, yeah, here's this because you don't have powers. Yeah, here, here's this gift basket. It's the you don't have powers gift basket. It's it's the best one because you don't have powers. Yeah. And then the, the kid's like, oh, if I didn't have powers, I'd be super depressed. But her her ability, though, and the way that she's written to bounce back from that and not necessarily mm-hmm. put a positive spin on it because she is realistic about how she approaches it but kind of refuse to let it bring the the mood down. It is really well done. I think if there were no other power to give Mirabella, it would just be her positivity in like any yeah. situation. Because there is like almost nothing in this movie until like 
the climactic moment of this movie where everything falls apart that like yeah she is not <laughs> being positive in any in those situations or helping people like yeah her song walk like waiting on a miracle that one's definitely sad and it kind of lets you see kind of into her heart and how she feels but even after that like she her primary focus is just the family and making sure that the family's okay and worrying about them and caring about them and that's the whole point yeah. that abuela does not see but it's wild to me that she despite not having a gift and that her being like the disappointment of the family in many people's eyes i'm sure the fact that she is still positive and goes out every day and she's like i'm gonna do what i can like oh, that's yeah. just i love mirabelle's character i think she's awesome uh we have a cameo from alan turig he plays the toucan uh, oh yeah to join antonio yep so he is in this Disney movie and will continue to be in all future Disney animated movies, apparently. That is so cool. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I didn't know that. Also, Antonio's gift is so cool. He's got the best gift. The talking to animals. I'm like, that's awesome. Mm. Ooh, best gift. Yeah. Uh, I say for me, it's between that and the shape-shifting. Hmm. Okay. See, I, I don't know. Being able to heal people with food sounds pretty great. You like know, that, that sounds pretty I awesome. I guess that's fair. Um, that would be the less selfish option. And then, like, <laughs> but yeah, no, Antonio's power is pretty cool, and his room is amazing. Holy crap. Um, I was like, where did this come from? This house is not this big. <laughs> and that, again, just goes to show just, like, how cool of a house this is, and, like, yeah. the whole setting and the story and everything like that. But it's we've so, gushed about that already. awesome. <laughs> the one thing that we don't see are a couple of the other people's rooms and there have been deleted scenes and deleted storyboards that kind of go into a little bit. Dolores mm-hmm. was supposed to have a completely soundproofed room that she can go into. That way she doesn't need to listen to everybody oh. else all the time. But I think Luisa's is my favorite. And the concept is that the inside is this small, uh, I think like two tiered room where it looks like a big room ish, but there's like stone everywhere and weights to lift and like, you know, a bed, and it's very plain, mm-hmm. but there's a small door that she can access and open up, and on the inside of that is something that only she knows, that she only knows where this is, is a full amusement park of wonder oh, and cool. magic. That way she can kind of let her inner child, like, be. That way she doesn't need to necessarily hold up that strength that she's been holding up, both symbolically and physically. Huh. And apparently there was a musical number that was cut, uh, including all of that. But yeah, no, uh, yeah. those were a couple of things when I was, again, looking into like the making of this movie that would have been really cool to see. Yeah. But it's nice no, knowing that sure. they did put thought into it. That is really cool. I like that a lot. That's awesome. One thing with Louisa that I uh, have been hearing a lot of and kind of is a little shocking to me, the animators and the director of this movie really had to fight for Louisa to keep her muscles. I know. I saw that, too, and that did surprise me. If this movie were made 20 years ago, 10 years ago, heck, even five years ago, I don't think it would have happened. I think she would have looked like the traditional Disney uh, mm-hmm. character. She would have looked like everybody else, but she would have had that super strength. Yeah, but allowing her to have those muscles and really mm-hmm. be a full character, as well as, I correct me if I'm wrong, but is her song not like an alto ballad? Or yeah, alto, it is. Or alto like, power much, song yeah. rather than like having to be a soprano and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Like it, I don't know. It, it's nice to see Disney finally like being open to portraying people how they normally are. You yeah. Know? And I think letting her look like that and letting her have that internal struggle that she has where she is like 
I need to help. I need to do this and I need to not complain about it. I can't let anybody know how I'm feeling on the inside. My main job is to help. And if I'm not doing that, I'm doing something wrong. That internal struggle, I think, is more powerful because of her hardened exterior in the movie. Seeing that side of her is, it was at least really like eye opening to me, which was really cool. Oh, for sure. And then. Speaking of seeing characters outside of the initial perspective that you would, you know, normally think about them and see them as, let's talk about Isabella, because yeah. she's seen as, like, the perfect one. Like, everything's perfect. And I, I, I love yeah. the looks that Maribel gives her. She gets hit in the face with the flowers, and just the, the look of just pure disdain. And, like, yeah, family fighting happens, but they still love each other. And I think that's best shown... After Bruno gives another vision that Maribel has to go into to Isabel and they have to hug in order for things to get fixed, mm-hmm. even though they fight at the beginning of that and things are kind of tense and everything, the fact that they kind of not get over it quickly, but kind of move in the, I don't know, they, they don't dwell on it being a terrible thing. They, they allow the story to progress and allow them yeah. to kind of get along and finally like break down those barriers of miscommunication or no communication in this case. This movie and the different subjects that it tackles is really, really cool to me. It's so different from most Disney movies where there is like this villain and really the main goal of the movie is to get past that villain, essentially. This or one like, doesn't, like do we said. like a quest, like go get yeah. this thing, deliver exactly. it to these people, yeah. Like this movie we already said doesn't really have a villain. It's all just kind of about like that internal struggle and family problems and... This movie tackles it, I think, pretty well. It kind of is very relatable to a lot of people, which is really cool to me. And it shows the importance of communication. It shows how talking about the things that you're feeling with the people that are close to you and important to you can really make a difference. Like Mirabelle and Isabella, they haven't they haven't talked about their issues until that moment, right in that yeah. song. And then Isabella, like they fight, they yell, and in that rage almost Isabella makes a cactus which is something that's never happened but because of that communication she felt more free to just let out her feelings instead of have to hold it all inside so I think this movie just does a really good job of showing that it's okay to be you and let people see that and not have to be this ideal figure of what someone wants you to look like Oh, for sure. And and I really enjoyed the, the flowers that she makes that that produce the, like, color powders. Yeah. That's just fun. And and it really goes into that uh, not perfect underneath. Because once the song is done, that, that perfect mm-hmm. hair, that, that perfect look is just the remains of powders and colors and, and just kind of letting herself be. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. Yeah, and in, it's pretty great. And I'm going to go back to that scene one more time. I love the line in that scene where, like, she makes that cactus. She's like, what the heck is this? She's like, it's not perfect. It's not symmetrical. It doesn't look perfect at all, but it's beautiful. And I just thought that that was a really cool line to have said. Yeah. Like, even though it's about a cactus, yes, but it's also about herself. That's really cool to me. Like, it, you don't have to be perfect. That's not your job. Be you. Yeah. I'm going to keep going back to that because that's like my favorite theme from this whole movie. So Yeah, no, that's pretty <laughs> great. So cool. One thing that I'd also enjoy that... I know it's like a comedic bit that they do, but the amount of slapstick that they do as far as beating up Louisa's possible husband, fiance, even at the proposal when when the vine comes out and just punches him in the face, it's just... Yeah, Isabella's. Isabella, that's what I meant to say. 
it's it's funny looking back on it now and being able to go, oh, her powers were manifesting in such a way that she didn't want to marry him. Mm-hmm. So she physically was like, no, I don't want this. And that manifested in a vine coming out and punching him in the face. Yeah. And then even later when that thought feeling comes up again, he's just standing there walking through the town and just gets punched in the face again by a vine. It's, I know it's like pure slapstick, but oh my God, that's funny. Mm-hmm. I, I really but enjoyed it, that. But it works. It's really cool. Yeah. Disney gets away with so many different like little intricacies in their movies and it's awesome that they can incorporate those things and like have that slapstick still actually mean something at the same time if you think about it. Like it's really cool. Yeah. And on to balance that out, then you also have some kind of really heavy subject matter. One thing that I don't see a lot of people talking about with this movie is the setting for it is during the Colombian Civil War. Mm. You know, that that's yeah. when I the, their grandfather dies you know mm-hmm. uh that's the whole reason for the the movie in the be- to begin with and one thing that is sprinkled all throughout this movie are little nods to columbia very much you know culture things like you have the accordion being yeah. played in the beginning of the movie and that that's a very big instrument in columbia and then you also have all the yellow butterflies which are a nod to i'm gonna butcher his name and i apologize now Gabriel Garcia Martez and his book, A Hundred Years of Solitude, which the butterfly represents the duality of a butterfly being love and conflict at the same time. And this this movie is littered with butterflies all throughout mm-hmm. it. It's in uh, clothing. It's on the walls. It's in the air. They're they're flying yeah. around. They appear when the Encanto appears. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's on the candle itself. And it's, it's literally like the guide to fixing the problem. Yeah. So to have that not just be a spiritual creature in a Disney film, but for it to have deeper meaning within the culture of Columbia, I think that's amazing. It's very cool. That's awesome. I didn't like, so I liked this movie. I did. I liked it a lot. I didn't really have many issues with it. The one thing that I just thought like felt weird in the moment and took me a minute to like really comprehend was the moment when, was the moment after Mirabelle and Abuela like have the really big fight and okay. Abuela's like, this is your fault. You are breaking our family apart or whatever. And Mirabelle is like, no, it's not me. It's you. You're the reason I'm and the just house trying is exploding to and falling and the down. The house explodes. The, the candle yeah. <laughs> um, eventually goes out. Mirabelle tries to save it, but it does eventually go out. And she essentially, she just runs away. She leaves and she goes to just this lake with this waterfall and Abuela then shows up later, like a, a few minutes later after some other scene happens and Abuela like kind of realizes that she was wrong, but it takes her a minute. But then once she does, she goes and she like tries to find Mirabelle and she finds her here. And this is the place where Abuelo, Mirabelle's grandfather, died and Abuela got the miracle, the candle with the magic that set up this whole thing. Right. So right. she was like, I have, and Abuela was like, I haven't been back here in ever. I just haven't been able to do that. But Mirabelle is the reason that she's there now. And they kind of just have this conversation. And this conversation is what took me a minute to comprehend. Because basically, they're both apologizing. Like, Mirabelle's like, I'm sorry, it's not your fault. And then Abuela's like, no, I'm sorry, it's not your fault. And then Mirabelle's like, no, it's it's not your fault. And they go back and forth a lot with that. And I'm like... I get it. They're trying to explain that it's not really anyone's fault, that like it was a lack of communication and a lack of just understanding and being like on the same page with everything. It's just how it all kind of played out 
took me a minute to really follow. I don't know. It just felt weird in my brain. And maybe that's just because I only watched it once and I haven't had a chance to go back and like revisit some of the things and pick up on things I missed. So it just took me a minute. It was just weird to me. One thing that I've really noticed about the recent Disney films and like the very recent Disney films is the lack of consequences. For instance, in Frozen 2, spoilers, at the end of that movie, you have the dam exploding and the giant wall of water rushing towards Arendelle. And Elsa runs out and, you know, creates this magic wall that protects the city when they could have easily had the town be destroyed and then rebuilt afterward Mm -hmm. with the people coming together to rebuild the town and be. And I feel like this movie kind of has a similar thing where you have this big fight, this rift, and rather than kind of let it be this sad, dark thing that it is because it, you know, it destroyed their house, it destroyed their family ties, really. It put a test to that family. It doesn't stay like that for long. I think from when the house is destroyed to when it comes back is maybe a couple of minutes. I mean, it's not super long. It's probably like five-ish minutes, but to be fair, it is a kid's movie and it's a No, I, I, and... I know, but I mean, I, I guess in, in more that it doesn't, it you know, we have a negative thing and it doesn't feel heavy, you know, like, like in the older Disney movies, you have Bambi's mom getting shot and, you, spoilers, and we're there for like, <laughs> and, and, and we're there in that sadness with that character for a little bit, you know, I, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It, it just feels like Disney is kind of shying away from very emotionally powerful moments that they could you know, have to kind of make the movie a little bit more impactful. I don't know what I I'm trying to say. I, I I feel like the thoughts were there, but the words kind of crashed. No, I get what you, I totally get what you're saying. I think part of the reason they probably make it happen with less time in between now is because nowadays kids, adults, everybody's attention spans are so much shorter just because of the way media works. So I feel like if you take that's fair, this, this movie is really happen, fast. If you take this sad thing to yeah. happen, and it takes you half an hour to get to a resolution you're going to lose half of your audience because they're going to be like this is just depressing um, that's fair Th- this movie is really fast too it is it doesn't slow down which i kind of like about it it does keep your attention i guess i just wish that it had a little bit more weight like it was emotional don't get me wrong and i was emotionally invested in it it did make me tear up but i don't know i wish that it had a little bit more weight to it okay i mean that's fair i didn't really have an issue with that side of it for me it was just it took me a minute to kind of understand what was going on but i think they do a good job of even though it's a short moment um using that to show this is what could happen but this is how you fix it as well because then they go through rebuilding the house and working on those ties even without the gifts that they have they just do it as themselves and that's really where the whole message of this movie i think comes is if you work together and you communicate and you are yourself and you aren't afraid to be that things will work out. Absolutely. You don't need to be this perfect being in order for things to be good. So I think that they show that message really well. I mean, there's even the line, it's not perfect, but neither are we. uh, Yeah. Final song. Yeah. Which is awesome. And in that song, the, (laughs) this is the part where I got very like teary eyed and emotional (laughs) when it's just, when they hand Mirabelle the door handle to put on the house, I knew what was coming. I feel like it, they made it very yeah. obvious what was about to happen because the whole gist of when you get your gift is when you touch 
your door handle on your new room. They give her her door handle. It's the one with the M on it for, I'm assuming, Mirabelle, not necessarily for Madrigal, but it works for both, which is great. Um, yeah. And she puts the door handle in the door and the magic comes back. It spreads through the entire town, not just their house at this point. Like, flowers appear, colors come out of nowhere. It becomes beautiful again. Everybody gets their gifts back. And that's awesome. I think we kind of talked about it. I think Mirabelle not getting a gift in the end is more of a testament just to like her character and her person because she has always lived like, I don't need a gift to be great. And she kind of keeps getting to go along with that because now her family respects her for her. And that's really all she's ever wanted. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like her family's uh, respect for her. kind of is her gift. I think in her mind, at least that's, that's fair. My brain tells me. So I think that's kind of cool. And on a complete side note, speaking of the magic, one thing that my brain goes to whenever I watch a Disney movie is how are they going to incorporate this into the parks? You know, what what ride, what what show, what thing like that could be done? And a show okay, would be yeah. great for this. But the one thing that really got to me when watching this movie was the gold like overlay that everything sweeping out of the doors and covering the walls. It looks exactly like the projection mapping that they use for their Happily Ever After show and the projection mapping that they're starting to use in some of the other attractions and yeah. i i think we're gonna get something with encanto i'm I, either it's gonna be included in one of the nighttime shows or I, i'm really hoping that it gets its own ride or something i that'd be really I know cool. we're talking about like movies right now but this movie <laughs> would lend itself to a, a ride or, or something it within the i think Disney it'd be awesome really i well. think yeah i think just like a a casita ride where like Casita just takes you around a house, like, because the house moves. It's so oh, cool. Yeah. I think that'd be really fun. That just in my brain, off the top of my head, <laughs> that'd be a fun idea. Smash into the wall, you get to see Bruno knocking yeah. on wood, jumping around. <laughs> also, I was just happy that Casita was okay at the end. Yeah. That made me really happy to see. <laughs> I <Yeah>. was worried. <laughs> and the fact that Bruno got to come out and join the family, his little wooden table in the crack of the family tree. Oh, that made my the... heart... Oh, hurt. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I think Bruno, out of all of the characters, might be my favorite character. Just a ton of fun to watch. And I I don't know, his nervousness, and but his love of the family to the extent that he's willing mm-hmm. to leave because he feels like yeah. that'll make things better. I don't know. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he and Mirabelle connect a lot in a lot of the ways that they think, which I think is really cool. Yeah. It kind of also alludes to like for a majority of the movie Mirabelle kind of feeling like this outcast because Bruno literally was an outcast. He outcast himself for the sake of the family and Mirabelle almost did the exact same thing. One thing talking about Bruno's powers really quick and everybody, for instance, when we don't talk about Bruno's playing, everybody's talking about these, you know, terrible visions that Bruno has and how if he gives you a vision, it's going to be bad. What if when people are listening to Bruno's visions, they hear the, bad part and they don't listen to the end of it because the vision that Maribel gets it's still the same the house being broken and together which turns out true both it continues on and it continues on and it continues on and it continues on I feel like everybody else's visions they got the bad part and they just assumed that that was it not knowing or not caring or not wanting to know if there was more which led yeah. to potential good parts well his visions also seem very open-ended like yeah it's like people just kind of assume like the negative from it yeah yeah this is gonna happen 
what you take from it really depends on your reaction. So I think, yeah, I, I thought the way that they portrayed his visions was really interesting too. And like how it used the sand and turned it into glass by the end of the vision. Yeah. Oh, to kind of have like a, yeah, like a tablet of this vision, like it's set in stone almost, but it's glass. So it was really cool to me. (laughs) I thought it was neat how they portrayed that. It was very different from what I was expecting when they were like, Bruno has these visions. And it's kind of scary, but kind of not. And they kind of portray Mm -hmm. Bruno to be a potential antagonist uh, villain for a good almost hour up until you meet him. And he's this goofy, superstitious guy. Yeah, no, and that just goes into the same themes that we've been talking about for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes now. This movie was fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I really did too. All right. So I think that wraps up our thoughts on Encanto and the notes that we took as we were watching the movie. We kind of changed up the format of this podcast a little bit compared to the almost book report style reviews that we've been doing. Yeah, no, I I think after our like break for the holidays and our starting of season two using these new top five formatted episodes that we've been doing we've really just enjoyed more of the conversational aspect of the podcast and our previous reviews have felt very book reporty as you put it where it's not so much our thoughts as just this is what happens i think this about that i mean this is what happens it's very much this happens in the movie here's the thought that i had about it this happens in the movie here's the thought i had about it yeah so i mean definitely let us know your thoughts on this kind of format for our movie reviews see if like let us know if you enjoy this more you enjoy the more conversational aspect or the book reporty aspect because we're always looking to improve it and make it more enjoyable for you guys as well as for us so just let us know what you think yeah and and speaking about enjoying things john what would you rate encanto on a scale of one to five i think i would give encanto with again (laughs) one being the worst five being the best Yes, and I just watched this today, so it's real fresh in my brain, and I haven't had a lot of time to just like sit down and really think about it, but watching it today, I really liked it. I would probably give this a 4 or a 4.5. It's definitely up there. I really enjoyed it. I like how different it is from our previous like Disney musicals that we've gotten in recent years. Oh, for I sure. I just like the yeah. different style of it. I like the different themes in it. I like the format of it. I think it's really cool. So probably, like I would give it a 4.5. It's real close to being awesome. Like a five for me it's really good nice yeah i i think i would give it a four personally i really did enjoy it i had a lot of fun with it the music was great the colors were great the story was great it was very fast-paced and i know that that's kind of where we're headed direction wise and like everything and i I, again it's that i wish that we had just a little bit more of sitting in those emotional moments just that little bit but don't get me wrong great movie i i really did enjoy it so Hopefully you've enjoyed what you've heard today, and if you did, don't forget to rate us that five-star rating on whatever podcast listening place you like to use. If you didn't enjoy what you heard today, I'll just tell, we'll find Louisa, we'll tell her to come and pick you up and hold you, hold you, until you agree to give us that five-star rating. Oh, that's an interesting choice. (laughs) I didn't want to make Louisa seem like a bad guy. Um, So I, I don't know. No, we'll, we'll have Dolores spill some rumors about you. Yeah, perfect. There yeah. you go. Well, she she's, she hears on. what you say, but it's just give us five stars and none of that has to happen. Either one, <laughs> the holding by Louisa or the rumors by yeah, Dolores. Yeah. There are new episodes of the Other Brothers podcast. 
pretty much every Tuesday. Yeah, we but try mostly to do every, every Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. You know, we sometimes we miss a week. Sometimes we get really busy, but every Tuesday is the goal. So yeah. Yeah. If you have any suggestions on what you think we should review next, you can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Other Bros Pod. And also, if you have any other top five ideas, let us know those as well. Also, tell your friends about us. We're still trying to get more viewers. The more people that listen, that's awesome. It's a growing podcast. Yeah. yeah. I've been Colin. I've been John. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Other Brothers Podcast. And we will see you next week. All right. See you guys.